Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today is part one of intro to the team. I posted on my story a while back and I said, hey, who do you guys want to see on the podcast? Who do you guys want to hear? Who do you guys want to listen to? Who should I interview? And I got a ton of great names, some which I'm already scheduling podcasts with. And I had a handful of people say, we want to meet your team. We want to meet your team. Get your team on. Get the other coaches on. So um, it, it worked out perfectly because we had already been planning this. So the fact that everybody wanted it was perfect. So today we have Coach Caroline on the podcast who has been a coach at Boom Boom Performance for quite a while now. She is one of the first coaches that came on board. And she has done amazing work, not only with the clients that she has seen, we've seen so many great transformations, not only physically as far as body composition, but a lot of performance transformations where people just their performance goes through the roof. And I'm talking about endurance runners, crossfitters, bodybuilders, bikinis, so on and so forth, powerlifters, even we have also seen a lot of physical transformations, weight loss, things like that. We've also seen a lot of health and mental transformation. So whether we're talking about hormonal, uh, menstrual, or just seriously getting help with eating disorders. And, and we do not claim to be therapists. We do not claim to be eating disorder specialists, but we do have our fair share of experiences personally and with many clients. So we kind of touch on a lot of different things today, and, and I'm just really proud to have her on the podcast, and I'm really proud to have her as part of the team because she is an expert and a specialist in our field. And the people that work with her love her. Like, I can't, I can't say that enough. Like, I get emails all the time from clients of her saying how great she is. We share tons of stuff on her story. So I'm super happy to have her on the podcast, and I'm really, really excited to share uh, one of the original Boom Performance coaches other than myself with you guys today. In fact, she's actually been on the podcast once before. So I'm going to link that episode in the show notes. We did kind of like a story and Q&A. But today is, is interesting. It's actually really cool because she, when we first started working together, she was into CrossFit. She was a heavy CrossFitter. And I took over her nutrition and helped her with that. And then she started interning with me. And I actually helped her shift from CrossFit to like a functional bodybuilding slash CrossFit. So we implemented some strength and bodybuilding training. Um, we actually improved her CrossFit. So she, she was hitting PR. She was performing better. She started looking better. And she was like, you know what? Let's do a photo shoot. So we cut her down for a photo shoot. She looked great for the photo shoot. And that was in 2018. 15 months later, she gets on stage. And the coolest part about this is she has a, a serious periodization story behind it where she went from first photo shoot. Uh, reverse diet to maintenance to lean gain phase where we put on 11 pounds of muscle and then a serious cut slash prep onto stage where she looked phenomenal. But when we look at these two pictures side by side being her first cut in 2018 for a photo shoot to her stage cut 2019 just this uh, at the beginning of this month in October, it's just an insane difference what you see. And she's relatively close to the same weight, if not the same weight, but much more muscle mass. Uh, she obviously got leaner, so she cut more fat. 
and she looks completely different. This is the true definition of a recomp. A recomp doesn't just mean simultaneously burning fat and building muscle. It also means over time building muscle, building muscle and burning fat. And it takes periodization to do that. And and I love her story. And I'm gonna get, we're gonna get onto the interview soon. But I love her story, and I love how much we've been able to share her story over these last couple of years because we've written blogs about it, we've written uh, Instagram posts about it, we've done multiple videos on it, we've done podcasts on it, we're doing another podcast on it today. And it's just so unbelievably empowering to women out there who want a dense athletic physique. They want muscle. They want to look lean. They want to look sexy. They want this athletic body, but they are afraid to eat more food. They are afraid to fuel their body. They are afraid to have maintenance phases and lean gain phases and lift heavy weights. Carolina is the poster child for this. She is living proof that this works. She is living proof that our periodization system inside of our nutrition coaching works phenomenally well and she's living proof that you should commit to a specific amount of time six eight ten twelve months let your body have the amount of time it needs to create a result that will last the rest of your life so before i rant on any farther i'm really proud of caroline i'm super excited to have her on the podcast she is part of the boom boom performance team she is a star on the team and uh soon you will hear from adam and lisa as well because we are going to get all the coaches on the show but part one of meet the team with caroline starts now all right, so no intro needed because most people know who you are, should know who you are by now. Um, but actually really cool. I didn't even tell you this before I scheduled this, but I did a story poll on like who should I have on the podcast and the amount of people who said I want to meet your team was crazy. So you've been on the podcast before, but yeah. um, this is cool because like not only was I really excited about this, but people after like I set these things up with you guys, like everybody was like, I want to meet team. I want to meet team. So like, oh, this is <laughs> That's today, awesome. <laughs> today we have Coach Caroline on the podcast, um, and we're going to talk mainly about your bikini competition that you just went through, and you won three first places? Yes. Mm -hmm. I did not win the show overall, but I won my first time ever class, my novice class, and then my open class, which is pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> yeah, pretty epic. Yeah. Um, especially on your first competition ever, right? Yes. Yeah. Love that. Um, awesome. So, uh, first and foremost, let's talk about like your journey over the last really like two years. Cause when we first met and started working together, you were doing CrossFit and then you kind of slowly, and I actually like being an outside perspective, I watched this happen. It was really cool. Like I started, <laughs> like you started piquing your interest about volume and intensity and bodybuilding. And you started asking questions and started running programs. And then we kind of blended CrossFit and bodybuilding. And then you committed to a gaining phase. So I want to kind of go through your whole journey over the last two years. So like starting from CrossFit, can you just give us like a, like a timeline in a nutshell of what you've done from then to now? Yeah, I got into CrossFit in 2014. Um, got my L1, like was just so going hard on the Kool-Aid. All I cared about was CrossFit, like eat, sleep, breathe. Um, and then over the past couple of years, yeah, I, I made that transition from full-time hardcore competing in CrossFit um, on the amateur level, but, and then all the way into bodybuilding. And I guess the, the change kind of started about this time last year, so fall of 2018. And that's when you and I were working together, you were doing my training in nutrition. I was cutting for a photo shoot and you were kind of like, let's balance this out a little bit more. Cause you know, you want, my goals were obviously to 
get leaner, but quote unquote, look like an athlete, which I hear all the time too. And you're like, Hey, no, like, seriously, you should go a little harder in the bodybuilding side. Um, and I was like, well, okay. Like my body's beat up all the time anyway from CrossFit. So might as well try it out. And that was last summer, I guess. So we kind of like made those changes. And like you said, mixed the two uh, modalities together to kind of get me ready for that photo shoot. And that's when I guess I just started falling in love with the different programming. And I didn't really miss, I, I missed the wads for sure. But at the same time, like the physique changes I was seeing made that easier <laughs> to let go of. Cause I'm just a very competitive person by nature and cared very greatly about where I was on the whiteboard, you know, which doesn't actually matter, like hindsight being 2020, of course. But yeah, that's kind of when it started. And so then after all the progress I made during that time really convinced me like end of last year, let's just go all in on bodybuilding and see what happens and give my body a full on break from the super high intensity and it worked out. <laughs> so let's pick that apart because I think the cool, the, the first part of this is like where we started blending the two during a fat loss phase. So you didn't necessarily, actually I shouldn't say you didn't build muscle because you may have built muscle in the process since it was such a new stimulus to you. But I think this is cool because it's something we see all the time with clients that approach us or clients that join the elite who are like, nah, like I do a lot of CrossFit and we're like, Hey, just maybe just two days of bodybuilding, just maybe two or three days. And we balance this and allow recovery to be so much better that they start PRing more. They start seeing more muscle. They start losing more fat. Um, I guess just like your thoughts on that, like how that felt and like what you noticed and what you see in your clients when you make that balanced approach. Cause you've done this with many of your clients as well. Yeah. And I loved mixing them in to start. I think like I would highly recommend that to pretty much anyone because it is crazy how much your CrossFit improved. Like I think after a few weeks of, not a few weeks, probably a little bit longer than that, but um, early on adding in bodybuilding and toning back my CrossFit because I want to make that clear too. You have to take a couple days off from CrossFit. You can't just add it in on top. <laughs> but um I remember that was one of the first times that I was linking like chest to bar pull-ups. I hit like a 10 pound PR on my snatch, which like 10 pounds on a snatch, like that's freaking huge. So it was, it was crazy. Like I had no idea. And like you said, I think I was clearly building muscle too, because I wasn't used to doing anything besides, you know, uh, a lifting portion of a CrossFit class and then a wad. So it was an awesome new stimulus too, which made me excited to go to the gym even more. Yeah. And I think like from a scientific level for people to kind of like understand what's going on, number one, your nervous system is going to recover better, obviously. Like you were going mm -hmm. so hard and, and you had a static goal. So we're like, okay, we're going to put you in a mild deficit, like probably should take it a little bit easier, right? So recovery is optimized. You're going to see some strength gains from that. But I think the part people forget is that CrossFit is a sport. So if you look at your competitive nature and you assess where your weaknesses are, you have to bodybuild in order to imbalance those weak or, or fix those imbalances, right? Bodybuilding is really just isolated training. So physical therapy can almost be bodybuilding in a way if you really want to look at it that way. Because if we look at the pro level, the CrossFit games level, those people are getting assessed. They're doing a lot of ART, a lot of PT. They're doing functional bodybuilding. They're doing things to fix the imbalances that allow them to improve 
they're clean, they're jerk, all that stuff. So I think people see these gains when they recover better and they just kind of accidentally fix imbalances. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. And yeah, I didn't even really mention recovery, but I know that was a huge part of it because like early 2018, before I kind of started making these changes, I was definitely hurting (laughs) often. And the more that I took a step back, added in more recovery, added in low intensity bodybuilding, like I felt better just on a day-to-day basis too. So whether that's with stress or just the different movements or the combination of that, like it, it helped my life kind of overall. (laughs) I think it builds awareness too. Like when you're quote unquote drinking the Kool-Aid, like it sounds horrible, but being in pain is almost good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're sore, you're beat up, you're like exhausted, but it's like, oh, it's just part of the grind. And then when you start like pulling back and you buy into this side of recovery, you realize how much better you feel. You realize you probably shouldn't feel that way all the time. It's just building awareness. It's like people tracking their diet for the first time. They don't understand how shitty they eat until they track and see what they're actually consuming. Yeah. And the mental aspect too, like with bodybuilding like yeah it can be kind of on the lonelier side unless you're like working out with friends and stuff like that but it was really nice to not put that pressure on myself to PR to look at the whiteboard um, to compare myself to everyone in that class which I know you're not like supposed to do but (laughs) that is totally my personality and I did it anyway Um, yeah so I mean even that aspect was like a really nice mental break for me to just like focus on me and my personal lifting and my range of motion and like literally comparing myself to my personal best versus everyone else and metrics or like you know gym PRs things like that I think like that actually brings up a good point I um I was thinking about this the other day because I've been so we're gonna have the facility soon so I probably will be training with Travis or somebody soon but I've been training on my garage for a long time now. And I think one of the biggest lessons or things I've learned along the way is you have to be really willing to get uncomfortable because to push yourself really hard by yourself, it's just fucking hard. Like you literally have to talk to yourself. (laughs) Like there's so many times where like, especially a soul bike where I'm like, I don't have to do that many or like I can skip one round. Like I just sit there and rationalize. I'm just talking to myself in my head for so long and I finally do it and I feel so much better. But that little mental battle, like winning that is like so huge. And I think like you get that in bodybuilding more often than anything else. Oh yeah. hundred percent agree. So, um, okay. So like after this point, you shifted into something that I was super proud of you for and super happy you did because I think it taught, we had, we did a ton of content together around this, but it taught so many women how to build muscle and how to be okay with like ignoring the scale. But you went into this process where I believe you gained like 11 pounds, right? You just chased hypertrophy, pure hypertrophy. So explain the thought process on that, like what changed, what you shipped at that point and how you like dealt with the, the battle of the scale. Yeah. So when I decided to kind of go just all in on bodybuilding and stop CrossFitting, that's, I don't, you probably kind of pushed me to like put on muscle. I don't know. It was probably us together brainstorming, but we were like, you know, fuck it. Yeah. Let's just put on muscle this year and then potentially do a show down the line. But I don't think I'd really committed to it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, let's see what bodybuilding is all about. Like, let's build my body. (laughs) And you were doing my nutrition too at the time. 
Um, and I was mainly running the goddess program in the elite. I ran that twice back to back with some other stuff in there too. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. Um, I highly recommend everyone do it just to learn that one, you don't have to dirty bulk, like the old school bro way of putting on weight. I did not do that. You know, we very, very slowly increased calories and I was still eating 90% whole foods. Mm -hmm. So it was very much a lean gaining approach, um, which we've talked a lot about before too. And also just to learn that experience and to change your relationship with the scale because it was for sure hard at first. Like I was like, yeah, let's gain muscle. And then I'd see the scale climb and I would freak out. (laughs) I think that's just part of it. Um, Part of, probably for guys too, but like for sure with women, just getting over seeing that um, frequently with the society that we live in today, you know, always trying to have smaller, smaller numbers on the scale, smaller measurements, all that. So it was nice to kind of flip that on its head. And it's just something that, you know, like, thank God I was working with you. Like, I don't, I definitely wouldn't go through a, well, really anything without a coach, but (laughs) I know I had a couple check-ins with you back to back, like, um, I'm kind of nervous. Like, is the scale really supposed to go this much? And, um, you know, we were tracking measurements, we were looking at photos and we were looking at my actual weights lifted. So when you look at the whole picture, obviously I was staying lean. The, the scale was climbing in a good way. Um, but it took me at least several weeks of doing that analysis, talking with you and looking at the big picture to actually start to be okay with it. Um, but it, it was a, it was a process. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a coach during reverse diets or, or lean gaining phases. Cause it's just, it's tough. I have so many clients right now where I always look at their pictures first, then their measurements and performance before I even look at weight, because for whatever reason, especially if it's your own weight, when you see that number, it changes what you see in the mirror. No matter if you look just as lean or even leaner, if you see a bigger number on the scale, it will absolutely change your perspective of what you see in the mirror, even mm-hmm. as a guy. Like, and I don't know if this is because I grew up like a chubby kid or if, if there's, there's probably other guys obviously face this too, but I can easily say the same exact thing. And it, I have to go through the same exact kind of uh, evaluation in my head. Like, okay, are weights progressing in the gym? Yes. Okay. Like, what is my waist circumference? Okay. It's, it's not bigger. Okay, cool. Like, are my, like, do my biofeedback good? Am I feeling better? Okay. Like my pictures look great. Okay. It's just, I'm, I'm building muscle. And then I think a part of this too, is like people forget Andy Morgan wrote a really good article about reverse dieting and how people need to stop freaking out basically. But when you increase calories, the more food you have, you literally have volume in your stomach that weighs on the scale. When you increase carbs, you pull in what three to four grams of water per gram of carb. I think it is. When you have more food in general, you likely have more sodium just through food and just salting your food and stuff that retains water as well. So we have all these non-fat related scale progressions happening during a reverse diet that have nothing to do with you gaining body fat or in a gaining phase. And I think people need to remember that too, because shit, you could cut out, cut your carbs in half and drop water weight like that. Right. And it's, it just shows that it's not the whole picture, but as a female, I think that's like one of the most, I can't speak for women, but I think that's one of the most difficult things that I hear over and over again. Yeah. And I don't think there's any way to get over it besides 
working with a coach, like having someone in your corner and looking at all of the metrics, like do not just focus on the scale, no matter what you're doing, only focusing on the scale is a terrible idea. Yeah. And, and so like, let's, let's put this in perspective for people listening too. So like you're, you're, uh, and you actually did this and I just realized this, you did this in perfect order. You're a woman, you were doing CrossFit and bodybuilding. You did a cut for a photo shoot, shoot you look great. Then you put on 11 pounds and then you did more than a photo shoot. You did a physique competition. But my point here, you cut, gained, and then cut again. What was the difference you saw on both the cuts? Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> I was actually really surprised um, just because that was slightly over a year between my photo shoot and my competition this year. So for those of you like who can't do that math, that's one diet phase per year. So I did not diet and then take a quick break and then diet again. I waited legit a year before dieting again and spent that time putting on muscle like we just talked about. So the as far as weights and measurements, I don't even know what that is off the top of my head. And I was leaner going on stage, obviously, because it's not just a photo shoot. Um, you have to be just crazy lean. But just looking at my pictures, which you guys will see this when our blog comes out on this topic, but just looking at the pictures, you can tell, like, especially in my upper body, it's crazy. Like, my shoulders are way more defined. Um, my back musculature is like crazy more defined, and my waist is smaller. So I don't look manly for all you guys, like, for all you ladies scared of like getting actually bigger or bulkier or whatever crazy term you want to use. But the, the muscle definition, like I hear so often, like, Oh, I want to look like an athlete. I feel like I actually did accomplish that over a year's time, like looking more uh, muscular and also staying lean, but not looking small or like skinny. Um, so that was definitely a big change I saw. So I'm really happy with what yeah. I accomplished in the year. I, I think like the the word I always like to use, and maybe this just resonates with me and not, I don't know if it resonates with women, but is dense. Like there's more density to you. And I think that's like, when you hear women say, oh, I want to be firm. I want to be toned. Like to me, like they want to be dense, which requires building muscle, right? And I think if you, and I don't know this obviously, but I think if you looked at your photo shoot weight and your stage weight, it's probably about the same. The difference is, is that you were much leaner getting on stage, which means you built a lot of muscle during the process, right? But it it's one of those things too, where like, I always, I use myself as an example, like I have, and I have tests to show this, I have high testosterone levels, I'm a male, I train five to six days a week. And I've been trying to build muscle for almost 10 years now. I'm not that big, <laughs> like I'm not impressively big. So like, <laughs> you're going to be fine, ladies. And it just goes to show too, you like you purposely gained 11 pounds, you spent over a year trying to gain muscle. And nobody would look at your pictures and think you look masculine or jacked or too big. Yeah. You can't do that. I wish. <laughs> you can't do that naturally, right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's such good proof to show people like you should spend time building muscle because look like you're living proof. You know what I mean? It's not going to result in a negative thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of women get scared that if they focus on lifting and on actually gaining strength and a little muscle size that they will like, you know, blow up or something or get that bulky look. But if you have fat on your body and you start focusing on strength training, 
more often than not, you're going to see body recomposition. You're not going to just like grow, 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 grow. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to lose fat while you're building that muscle and get those, those lines and kind of that definition that you want. That's exactly right. And and the only way you're going to get bulky or puffy is if you're in a serious surplus. You're just getting fat. (laughs) That's really all there is. (laughs) So so we can spread out this timeline because I want people to get a really good picture. Um, Probably like 15 months ago was your last shoot, would you say? Uh, Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. I think it was August last year, July. Okay. So yeah, probably about 15 months. Not quite a year and a half. So after that cut, what was the process? You reversed, um, we reversed, and then you maintained, and then mm-hmm. you grew, and then you cut again. So, like, fill me in if you can, like, the be- your best estimate of, like, what those timelines look like, like, how long you spent in each one and what the focus was and what you were looking for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my shoot was early August last year. So, after that, yeah, we, we reverse dieted. Uh, I just kind of maintained – through the holidays and didn't do anything strict <laughs> through Thanksgiving and Christmas, of course. Uh, and then January uh, is really when you and I started talking and we're like, okay, let's go all in and put on muscle now since I, at that point I wasn't doing any CrossFit anymore. Um, and so I think we did gaining from, it was about January through the start of June. And then June is when I officially signed up for a bikini show and made that kind of my all in goal, if you will. And like, let's see how far we can push this bodybuilding thing. (laughs) Uh, And that, and then my show was October. So now we're in October too. So yeah. How long was your prep? Four months? I, well, I mean, I guess technically you could say like 16 weeks, but I wasn't dieting that whole time or I wasn't in a calorie deficit that whole time. Right. We didn't probably start actually, um, taking calories lower until about 12 weeks out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and, and just for people listening, we don't always recommend a 12 week diet for a, a prep. It's all about like relative to where you're at. Cause there's some people who need 16 to 20 weeks, depending on their lifestyle, the stressors, everything. But the point I wanted to make with that is you did a cut finished it in early August, you spent basically August till New Year maintaining, which I would say you built muscle during that time because you're at maintenance, you're training hard, Yeah, probably some mm-hmm. surpluses in there with the holidays. But that's <laughs> a solid four to four and a half months of maintaining and just focusing on health, performance, so on and so forth. Then you spent six months purposely gaining muscle because January to June, probably about a month, I would say fine tuning from like all the June till like your actual prep was probably fine tuning, right? Staying where you're at, but dialing in training, dialing in supplementation, kind of getting in prep mode. And then you spent 12 weeks prepping. Like that's, that's a crazy timeline. And I just like, I I love seeing that bird's eye view because people go like we, you, you just, we just signed up a new client that's working with you right now that literally was using your body as an example because she saw what you did. And it was like, this is really cool. I want to do that. It's like, okay, cool. Like here's the periodization of that commit to a year, year and a half, like really be focused, have phases of your diet. It's the only way you can do this the right way. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like I signed up for my bikini show and three months later, like crushed it. Like, no, there was so much that went into it ahead of time over the past year plus. And even before that, like I wasn't new to training by any means. I just was training in a different modality. So I think 
Yeah, there was no magic 30-day, 90-day thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's so, so important because I think we're in a time in the industry where nutritional periodization is like finally emerging. I mean, obviously, we've been saying this for a while now, but it's finally becoming like common topic of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're supposed to do that. But for a long time, it was just training periodization, right? There was no diet periodization. But now it's like, okay, like these different phases make sense. And like when I tell people like, hey, you should probably – like reverse and stay at maintenance for 1.5 to two times as long as you were in a deficit. And they're like, wait, what? Like that's like <laughs> six months of not cutting. And I'm like, yeah, you should do that. Like you'll feel better. You'll be healthier. You'll sleep better. Your relationship will be better. Your training will be better. Like it makes sense. Now, obviously there's caveat. You have 50 plus pounds to lose. We can spend a much longer time dieting, right? So there's always caveats. But um, I just loved it so much because it was like when we have somebody on our team being a poster child for like, our message. It's just like so, so important. You know what I mean? Um, so you did the competition, you crushed it. You had this periodization phase, you placed first in three different sections of it for your first ever competition, which was really dope. We had a guy in August or July, Brandon Whitehead placed first in his physique competition for his first ever physique competition. So really cool. Like we're on a good note with, you yeah. know, it's not like our main. Him and I were messaging each other on Instagram. So cool. It's so cool. <laughs> Hanging in there together. Yeah. We're not like, we're not like physique coaches necessarily, but when you know nutrition, like, you know, nutrition. Um, so did the competition. What has the reverse diet been like? Um, and I just want to say one last thing and then I'll shut up and let you go. But I, and I say this because I know this firsthand, but it was so, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny to watch. Like we have, we would have team meetings at the tail end of her prep. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> Watching your face be like, like, yeah, uh-huh. that's cool with me. Like just like so. Watching me yeah. turn into a zombie <laughs> week yeah, by then, week. And then like the week after, like during the meeting, you're like, up ready go like your conversation it's like dang like she got some food um but fill us in uh, how the reverse diet has been so far um great <laughs> no it's been yeah the I mean the three months of dieting was like my or my quote-unquote prep was freaking brutal um just with the uh 100% on zero percent flexibility aspect was really hard because I'm a much bigger fan of just macros and kind of focusing on whole foods, but there's no room for that if you want to get on stage. So that was brutal. Yeah. I think we had a team meeting during my peak week and I was like, you guys just pretend I'm not here. Cause I'm basically not. <laughs> um, so coming out of that, like the, obviously I was just kind of on cloud nine after my show, I got about, so my peak week, I'm a little nervous to share calories. I kind of don't want to, but I do to give you guys kind of an idea. But just so you know, like I'm an N equals one. This is just my experience. I don't recommend these numbers to anyone. I'm just <laughs> purely giving you data. Um, but my peak week was around 1,100 calories. <laughs> and I'm 5'9", so I'm not like a tiny female. Um, and how much, how much were you weighing on stage? Oh, or like right I didn't actually. Yeah, my lowest weight and peak week was one twenty five. So like, but Ugh. this is good because people are like so afraid of metabolic adaptation right now, and I and I'm always trying to encourage people like, hey, like metabolic adaptation is a normal process. It's going to happen no matter what. Like some 
sometimes it's to a greater extent, sometimes it's not. But part of that is like the more advanced you get and the leaner you get and just genetic differences cause people to get pretty low in calories. Like there's people your size that might have to go to 900 calories on some days. And it's, it's mm-hmm. part of the sport. Like I know 180 pound bodybuilders who have to go to 1400 calories on times, which if you look at yeah. the you and them, that's like you eating 600 calories, right? But <laughs> that's part of it, right? Like I had 1400 calorie days easily, maybe even less on my prep when I did it, my physique competition. But there's a difference between getting lifestyle lean, photo shoot lean and competition lean. So like, I'm glad you shared that because I actually don't like that doesn't shock me. I knew it was pretty low. That's just what it takes. Like it doesn't mean you stay down there and you continue to stay down there and you continue to try to get that lean. I think that's where the education comes in. Some people see that number and they result like getting lean equals 1100 calories, right? You saw peak week equals 1100 calories, completely Mm -hmm. different things. Yeah. And that was one week and I thought I was dying. So keep that in mind too. But, but yeah, so I was like, uh, that was almost 20 pounds lost, but, but a brief loss. Cause I'm already back up to above 130, um, two weeks post show. So the recovery, we did like a 600 calorie increase right away after my show. And now, now I'm already back up to 2,100 calories, uh, two weeks post show. So that's, probably close to where my total daily energy expenditure is kind of my maintenance naturally is kind of falling anyway right now. So, and that's more kind of that recovery diet versus reverse diet. Like I was, <laughs> we needed to, to make some quick adjustments. Like this was no slow and steady reverse diet. Like try to keep the weight off. It was, um, you know, like, survive <laughs> to put calories on and put some body fat back on. And you're still um, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I've been like, as far as food choices go, I definitely had too much sugar my week after my show because I missed that. Um, but besides that, like I've gotten pretty done a pretty good job of just kind of slowly adding in foods that I missed, but sticking still mostly to like the 90, 10, um, or about that level of like whole foods to kind of treats, I guess you could say. Um, but mentally it's, it's actually been really hard, (laughs) like as far as sticking to that and staying on point, like even with everything that I know as being a coach, it's, um, it's been difficult, like to not overeat, not binge eat things like that, which I just listened to your podcast today with, uh, the woman from precision nutrition. Yeah. And that hit home a lot of points for me because like I talked about the first time I was on the podcast, like I struggled with, um, binging and restricting food while I was in college, like binging and purging, like lots of disordered eating. And that came back in full force, like during my prep and almost even worse now that the show is over. And it's kind of like me on my own, just like, or not on my own. I'm still working with a coach, which I would be way worse if I wasn't right now but just because there isn't like something in my future right now it's been hard to stay on point and everything that you guys talked about in that podcast on overeating was literally like stuff that I'm practicing almost every day like slowing down being mindful with my food choices you know asking myself questions paying attention to my hunger and fullness cues because you kind of you lose all of that 
when you're doing a prep. Like you don't get to listen to your hunger and fullness cues. Like you don't get to eat mindfully. You eat what you have to, and that's it. So that I can't recommend that podcast enough. That podcast was so good. And I'll link that in the show notes, but I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that like I always, and this is why like, I'm glad you did a show. This is why I'm glad I did a show. I've done multiple photo shoot preps and it reminds me of these things so I can implement them with clients because this is one of the main reasons why you should like, I'll have clients that like, I'm like, okay, we're going to take a diet break. And they're like, wait, why? Like I'm losing weight. Like I feel fine. I'm like, yeah, but trust me, like it's been a little bit and you're not going to feel fine forever. Like, it's just one of those things where if I can get you to commit to longer, we can go a little bit slower. We can take more diet breaks. It's just so much better off because you can avoid mm-hmm. all these things. Like at the end of the day, you can't do that prep. That's what you commit to at the beginning. It's like, okay, I'm signing right. up to avoid. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the point being is it can be tough. Even for me with this last photo shoot, I did not get as lean as I've been in the past, but just the sense of like, okay, the goal's over. You're like, like I found myself overeating something that I would never overeat. I'm just like, wait, why? Oh, did yeah. I, why did I just eat more of those? Like for no, like plain white rice, I would just like eat more of it. And I'm like, this isn't even good. It's just plain white. Rice. <laughs> what am I doing? But but it's just like that crazy restriction. It just goes to your head, and that's one of the reasons. Like I, I get um, discouraged. You know, if if I'm working with someone and we do a cut and it's awesome. And then we start the reverse diet and they're like, okay, I think I'm good on my own. Like, I don't need coaching anymore. I'm like, this is the most important time for you to have coaching. Like if you don't work with someone through a reverse diet and get to your maintenance where you are a hundred percent feeling good physically and mentally, I would be very confident that you're going to regain the weight. Like, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's, it, it is one of those things where, and, and we're beaten into this mentality. Like I remember the first coach I ever hired, you bought 12 weeks. Like that was just, it was like 12 week prep, 12 week coaching, 12 week back loss. It was just, that was just what it is. Like, and now like this whole idea of like monthly coaching in like six months, eight months, 12 months, like, or I, I have that blog. I did a case study on Meredith um, and people will be like, Oh, I saw that like thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Like she worked with me for almost two years. And they're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, we reversed, <laughs> cutted, maintained cut again and then reversed out of that to maintain and now she's off on her way like but now she has a body that is like resilient it's sustainable and it looks like she wants it to look like but that's a like people are like fuck a year and a half like that's scary but it's what it takes like if you want to like live this way forever yeah i shouldn't say it always takes a year and a half because i don't want to scare people but it takes time Right. Yeah. I committed to six months when I knew my prep was only three months just because I wanted, I wanted that accountability. Like if I didn't still have weekly check-ins, like, Mm -hmm. I'd probably be a little worse off right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, so people listening know, like I I actually, like I was, uh, I have a guy right now who um, is dealing with some like eating issues, mental issues. Like we're really struggling. He has, he has a good amount of weight to lose. And so like we talk every day because it's like, yeah, I just want you to, keep me in the loop and he mentioned something and I was like yeah I actually said the same thing to my coach the other day he's like you have a coach I was like yeah I actually have three I'm Cal Ruth does my training Chris Barricade does my nutrition and then I have a couple like business life coaches he's like I would never expect that I was like why like I live what I preach like it's that important and right now I don't have a goal either like I'm just maintaining but I gotta check in every week and like that shit keeps me so on point and just at least aware enough if I'm not perfect I'm at least aware enough and it's just a check-in yeah Oh yeah. 
hundred percent. It's so huge. So, um, okay. So you've been reversing. Do you know what the future plans are like physically? Like, what do you want to do now? Like, I know we've had some conversations around like really focusing on health, obviously. Um, but maybe fill us in on some of the hormonal changes you saw, some of the biofeedback changes you saw during the prep that you might be trying to reverse. Like what are, what are your focuses right now? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, my focus is definitely health right now. Um, since I won my open class, I qualified to compete at, uh, at the national level for an IFBB bikini pro card. Um, so of course my ego says that I should do that. <laughs> my hormonal health is like, why would you ever do that? Um, so I'm kind of torn on what's long-term for me if I'm going to compete again or just call it one and done. But first things first, like without a doubt, I want to make sure I'm healthy again because I did lose my period, which sucks. And for those of you who are going through something similar, like don't just go on with life and think that it's fine to never have a cycle. Um, I wrote a blog on that about a year ago, but I've recently done more research on it too. And it really does have health implications. Like if you don't have your cycle, it's highly likely that your estrogen and progesterone are low, which can mess with your metabolism, your insulin sensitivity, your muscle recovery, sleep issues, um, performance, and also bone density, which is something that you, you don't get back. Um, that book we were talking about before you hit record, Cody, by Lyle McDonald, he cited a study in there on swimmers and those female swimmers who had amenorrhea, who had lost their cycle, had a 10% decrease in performance and those who had a normal cycle had an 8% increase Damn. So that's like almost a 20% difference overall. I can't remember what the time frame was on that, but like it's, it's typically female athletes, women who are active, who lose their cycles. And the fact that it can hurt your metabolism, your bone density, your performance, your muscle recovery, those are all the things we want as an athlete to be great. So yeah, I definitely want that to be my first priority. I'm trying to get new blood work done within the next couple of weeks just to see exactly what's going on. Um, but yeah, more than anything, like try to just keep working on the mental side of increasing my calories, try to be continue mentally accepting that I need to put on weight because now, like we just talked about gaining, getting used to, now I'm like back at square one with that because I got so lean. So it's hard to kind of fight off that body dysmorphia type of stuff that I have going on a little bit now and just put my health first before anything else at this point. Yeah. A um, few things on that. Uh, first of all, like I'm excited to dive into that book now because that's, that's a pretty shocking study. But I want to say I read this thing because one thing I've noticed from training so many women over the years is that I will have guys that need three to four minutes between sets and girls are like 30 seconds later. Okay. I'm ready to go. And it's like, Holy shit. Like, and people will throw out the excuse like, Oh, they're lifting less load because guys are typically stronger, especially in the upper body. So they have to have less rest. And although that can be true in some scenarios, like if we look at relative strength, that's not always the case. Like if the female's lighter, the load will be lighter. But um, I, I read this thing where they actually tied uh, women with higher estrogen and progesterone levels that has an oxidative uh, recovery 
benefit. So that could be one of the reasons why they're recovering faster. And that kind of like alludes to that too. Like if amenorrhea is causing issues there and then you recover less, build less muscle, obviously makes sense. Um, and this is like another one of those things too, where losing your period during bikini competitions is pretty normal, unfortunately. Um, just like concussions <laughs> in football are normal. Like it's just, it's part of the sport. But like for people listening who are not stepping on stage, you don't have to do that. Like it doesn't have to be that way. And I encourage you, if you have a coach, talk to your coach about that. Cause the amount of women that I've made sure fill me in with that. And then they let me know when it comes back. It's like night and day difference of like how much progress is made once that comes back. And they're just happy. And understandably, like things are back to normal. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, it sucks that it's kind of like a normal thing in physique competing, because like, I know, I don't think it's discussed enough. Like, I don't think enough women understand that it's it's common, but it shouldn't necessarily be normal, you know, and like that they shouldn't just sweep it under the rug. Cause a lot of the girls I was making friends with backstage and stuff, they also didn't have a cycle and they were signing up for another competition in like a month and a half, which I, I get it because like, yeah, that sounds really fun to me too. At this point, like, Ooh, could I win again? You know, again, there's that like ego creeping in, but it's, it also just sucks because like, Hey, your health long-term could be taking a huge hit because of this temporary, you know, adrenaline rush you get from being on stage. So that's another thing to think about too. Like just because it might be common doesn't mean you should just like ignore it. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think like sometimes there's merit to doing competitions very close back to back because you're like, Hey, well, I'm lean. I'm not gonna be as lean for years. Like let's get it done. But a month and a half is pushing it. And, and some people, I think the issue is, is it's kind of like that uh, dang on the carrot, you know, like, well, if I have this thing in my future, then I'll, oh, like, I'll, I'll maintain this progress because I have to get lean for this stage or I have to get lean for this next thing. And sometimes it's important to learn how to sustain without a goal, right? Like, don't have the dangling carrot do this because this makes your life better. Like, that's really important too, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's so hard. Oh my it gosh. Is. Is, That's like exactly where I'm at. My friend, she, she told me, she put it a good way. She's like, you just need to hit cruise control. Just don't, don't do anything. Don't sign up for anything. Don't like put this January motivation on yourself. Just like maintain and take care of your body. And I'm like, huh, what a, what a crazy concept. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, this, and, and if you're one of those like A-type personalities where like, yeah. you are, like, oh, yeah. so am I, set performance goals. Like that's always the best way to go that I tell people. And I know you recognize mm-hmm. thing. It's like, okay, well, let's focus on health. Like, okay, well, health is boring and I can't see a gold medal <laughs> at the end of it. But if I set performance goals along with that, I'm good. Like right now for me, I have like uh, an endurance run test, a – I fucking hate this one. Uh, 10, 10 minute max calorie on the salt bike test. Ooh, hate gross. It. Um, uh, max three rep deadlift, max three rep bench, uh, a jerk and a weighted pull up. So it's like power, <laughs> strength, endurance. Oh, and then I have a 50 push up and a 50 chin up test too. So it's like muscular endurance, actual endurance, anaerobic power, like straight power strength. But like, it's kind of concurrent training, but it's keeping me motivated. And I'm not worried about my body comp, like we're reverse dieting and trying to stay lean. Obviously, I don't want to get fat. But having that keeps me focused on something and I can chase health. Like and that's and that's always what I and I think that's, I learned that from coaching so many women. I think that was one of the best things I've done in my coaching is like teaching women to focus on those things. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a leg day today and I'm like, okay, I feel good again. Like this is motivating for me to keep going. And like, obviously when you're focusing on performance and strength as well, like you're going to maintain your lean physique or whatever you're working towards anyway. So it's kind of like a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap this up is, uh, like the biggest takeaways, you can have one, you can have three, but like takeaways that helped you with your coaching. So like, what have you taken away from this bikini competition experience that have it directly applied into how you coach people? I'd say number one is keeping in mind, like the more extreme goal you set for yourself, the more extreme commitment and sacrifices that you're going to make. So if you have you know, for example, for someone who has fat loss goals and you have a lot of weight to lose and maybe your lifestyle and your diet and are totally out of whack and you don't go to the gym, you know, if you have this huge change that you want to make, like it will take commitment and sacrifice over time. Um, so I think just like keeping that in mind, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to those crazy extremes if you just are looking for more like a lifestyle lean, like you've been talking about lately. And so just kind of thinking about your goals and what you are a hundred percent sure you can commit to and kind of making sure you can provide the effort necessary, I think is something really important to consider. Um, and just kind of, like I said, rating that on that, like know ahead of time, if you have a super extreme goal, like you are going to have to make that extreme commitment and change some things. I love that. Extreme goals require extreme commitments. I think, mm -hmm. and I think that's something people don't actually like really sit there and think about, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like I'll sign up for a competition. Fuck it. Why not? But it's like, yeah. okay, like what does this actually take? Like, what is the actual process? Like that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one I would say is, I guess just from the past year, the whole experience is to not be afraid of gaining muscle. And if you are, look at like Google IFBB bikini pros and actually look at their pictures and see how much muscle they have. Cause this is like a great example of women who are like, if you're scared to lift and go look at women who compete at the top level at the Olympia and like bodybuilding, they do not look like men in any regards, but they are jacked. Like they have a really good amount of muscle. They, but they also have like curves and they're lean, you know? So they still very much have like a womanly figure and they didn't get bulky by any means. So I think that's like a really good example of what can happen when you add in bodybuilding. And that's like the, the way way pro end of the spectrum, but kind of think, consider that if you're nervous at all about adding in strength training, like you are not at all necessarily going to actually get larger in size, but you will get more defined musculature. Um, you'll probably just feel better overall too. Your clothes will fit you differently, that sort of thing. So there's really just no, there's no need to be afraid of like lifting heavy in the gym. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good perspective because these women you're talking about who are competing at the highest level, who look feminine, but are clearly muscular, have 100% dialed in diets, meal prep, six days a week training, probably do cardio. Their lifestyles revolve around this. Like they've been doing it for eight years. Like it's so dialed in and they're mm -hmm. only at that. I shouldn't say only because it's very impressive, 
but for people who are like worried about getting into strength training, like mm-hmm. and getting, it's like, this is perfect. <laughs> like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. If you dialed everything in for X number of years, you might look like this if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's been, it's been an amazing learning experience. Like, and I guess for another takeaway, like don't be afraid to try something new in your fitness, just underneath it all. Like I was, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so judgmental of bikini competitors before I knew anything. And now I know just how hard they work and in the gym, in the kitchen, like everything, it's just insane. So I think with all of the fitness camps, I guess you could say out there today, it's so easy to think that your way is the best way and the only way. And that's just straight up not true. Like there are a bunch of different ways to get you to your results. So I'd just say, continue trying new things, um, experimenting and yeah, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Cause that's probably going to be the only way that you will see change. Yeah. And in like adding to that, and I know you, cause we've talked about this and you kind of t- encompassed it with that, but like the amount of empathy you get after doing something like this is huge. So like being able to empathize with all of your clients and all of their struggles and what they're going through is just on a different level. Once you go through these things and one of the big priorities of our team is, is not only being extremely well-educated and everything, but being diverse in what we've experienced. So like we can all actually say we've had some kind of mental slash dietary disorder. We've all had uh, experience with bodybuilding. We've all had experience with CrossFit. We've all been to school. We've all done the certifications. We've all been the client. We're still mm-hmm. the clients. Like I think it's really, really important for people to hire coaches who have lived every aspect of it. We try everything possible and we're always willing to do more and more, which makes me very proud of all of us because we're all pushing for that constantly. And, and I would say we're all obsessed with education, literally. Like if, if <laughs> our conversations, the amount of books we read, the like constant, like as soon as you guys are done with the course, I'm like, okay, what are we doing next? Like everybody's signing up for something. We're just doing more and more and more. And I think it's so, so important because not enough people, like I, I see a lot of people in the coaching industry who get a certain, they're like, okay, I'm done with that part. Now it's just like work. And it's like, no, like empathy and education is a constant mission. Constantly. Yeah, things are always changing. So if you're not yeah. keeping up with it and trying new things and learning new things, yeah, you're just left in the dust. Yeah, absolutely. So um, perfect. I love it. We we did a great job encompassing that and kind of sharing your journey and everything. So um, if there is anything else, I'm going to link your meet the team page, your Instagram, everything that you've produced. You mentioned a bunch of blogs and all those things that you've written. So I'm <laughs> yeah. Basically link everything that you touched on um, in the show notes. But Thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks, Cody. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. 
I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.